And Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show on a Friday. This is great, Wolf. We this got, right here, the rejoin you're talking about? No, no. Oh, Cambria? We, no, no, oh, okay. no. We've got uh, we've got basketball on all four TVs. Oh, okay. All four. The studio is working and humming efficiently. We haven't had all four TVs working in here since I started working here. I don't think. And all of a sudden, March Madness begins, and magically, there's four TVs working in here. Yes. Kennesaw State, by the way. Taking it to Xavier right now. Take that, Sean Miller. Oh, they went in at the half. They they had the opportunity to huddle and be quiet and scream as well and look at each other and go, do we belong on this floor? Yeah, we do. Let's go beat them. I need to go ask Jarrett next break if he will take joy in Sean Miller losing with Xavier in the first round. Because the exchange we just had, I walked out there during the break. Went up to Jarrett. Jarrett's sitting there working, which already seems kind of weird. And uh, he looks at me, and he's like, just say what you're going to say. And so I start to say it. Yeah. And before I can say it, he just goes off for three and a half minutes about U of A and, and how you know how he knew this team wasn't good. He didn't expect him to lose to Princeton, but he, he knew they weren't as good as some people thought. The ironic part is I was just asking him what our fantasy baseball draft is this weekend. <laughs> so I'm afraid to go ask him now how he feels about Sean Miller. Are, are you talking about Jared Carlin? Yes, Jared Oh, okay. Yeah. Greg Brady. No, I'm sorry, Greg Brady. Of course, I, I Greg forgot who Brady. my audience yes. was. Next. Uh, so to the Suns game, you want the good news or the bad news from last night? Well, it's always the same, Luke. It never goes. Hey, give me the bad news first. Okay. Always, right, Basinonians? If somebody says that to you, I've got good news or bad news. What are you going to say? Give me the bad news first. Yeah, who of wants course. to end on the bad news? No. It's like you eat dessert first and then yeah, Brussels sprouts no, no, at the end. No, thank you. No, no. give me the bad news first, and then we'll put some icing on it with the good news. All right, well, um, this isn't even bad news, but it's here's Monty Williams after the game talking about Devin Booker. I think he's just dealing with some general soreness, you know. Uh, he may have gotten hit or something like that. I know he went down one time um, going to the basket, but... Um, you know, I played him way too many minutes the other night on a back-to-back, and he was feeling it um, yesterday. When I got the report, he had some some soreness, and uh, so he's you know he's a bit stressed um, from a minutes perspective because that's the first time he's played that many minutes in a long, long time, and to do that on a back-to-back is you know that's that's tough. So I think a day off. Um, will help him. The general soreness there, that's not the bad news. And like I said, this is not, it's not, it's not like great news and horrible news. It's just kind of, okay, there's some good and bad. Devin Booker, the last four Suns games, they've played four games in six nights, okay? So kind of a rough part of the schedule in terms of, of time. He's played over 38 minutes per game on average in those four. That's not the way that we were trying to do this. Yes. And Monty said it right there, and he said it the other night, too. Um, They... They got to figure out a way to, to tone that down a little bit. It's not Devin Booker can't handle it. It's is Devin Booker losing percentage points off of who he is as a potentially take over the game player in the third round of the playoffs because he's playing 38 minutes a night, four games and six nights in the middle of March. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once again, going into the postseason, and now there are 12, right? Yeah, there are 12 games left. Going into the postseason, of course, you want to be playing your best basketball and you want to be healthy. Those two things, that's what you want going in. 
That is the Golden State Warriors model that I think a lot of teams are now trying to repeat, um, including the Phoenix Suns. You've got to, you, you've got to be playing good basketball, and of course you have to be healthy going into the postseason. That's what you want. Where your seed is going to be, yeah, you'd love to be top four, no doubt. You'd love to be top six. We've talked about it many, many times, but... You know, um, he played 36 minutes last night. Yeah, 36. Now, the good news with that, though, is the Suns, and I'm sure Monty Williams was obviously thinking this, they don't play tonight, they don't play tomorrow, they play Oklahoma City at 1230 on Sunday, they don't play Monday, and they don't play Tuesday. So in terms of games, they have four of the next five days off. Yeah, so, so you're saying they probably took that into account, of I, course. I would and assume so. Monty that's one of the reasons sharp. why he played 36 minutes last night in a game. They really needed. Now, how about the uh, the good news from last night? Campaign looking pretty good. This is two games in a row. Campaign has looked pretty good. Here's Monty Williams on that. He's starting to get back to the campaign that we we all you know know and love and and appreciate. And it takes guys a while. You know, he's he's had some nagging injuries this this season, and when you take that time off. Sometimes it can take you a minute to get going again, especially playing a point guard position. Um, and so he's starting to, you know, score the ball and, and pass. His interior passing is is starting to pick up. And then I thought he had a really nice find uh, to Ish in the corner, making a read. His speed and and his juice. Um, I think it elevates our team. There's no doubt about it. I am with Monty 100 on this one. Campaign. He looks like he has bottomed out base and onions, and now he's on his way back. He is climbing that hill, coming back up that hill. Um, went full-on gladiator mode in the third quarter. I don't know if you watched it, base and onions, but are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Um... He was he was lights out, especially the last three four what three forty six. The last three forty six he scored seven points and also assisted on a basket. He was on fire. Last two games, thirty one points, seven assists, one turnover. And twenty one minutes last night, seventeen minutes against Milwaukee. So he's getting a little bit more in the minutes category. He's earning it. He's hit six threes over the last two games. Campaign doesn't need to give you 20 points a night. He doesn't no. have to give you 20 and no. 10. No, but, but it's just a matter of can he get to the point where he is his most confident and Monty Williams is confident in him. Can he get to the point we were at two years ago People forget, Chris Paul missed a couple games of the Western Conference Finals. Campaign came in, played against the Clippers. They won those games, and he played really, really well. Yes. Last year, Chris Paul didn't even look like Chris Paul by the second half of that Mavericks series, and they didn't trust Campaign to go to him. And probably had good reason. Campaign wasn't playing that well in the playoffs last year. So he's part of the equation. We talked about this yesterday. There are bench guys. There are guys outside that big four where you're like, okay, can this guy be the number five? Can can he be the fifth starter? Can this guy be your sixth man off the bench? That, in a lot of ways, I think is interchangeable. But campaign has to be good. He has to. He, he really is the key going forward, I think, off that bench. He is the key. When we talk about the bench, you, you have to start with campaign. You do, and who you would like to see actually do a great job coming off of that bench. It would be campaign for obvious reasons right now. But I think Cam needs to understand that he just needs to be efficient. He needs to be efficient. 
He doesn't need to be great, like you said. He doesn't need to go out there and score 20 points a game. He doesn't. Now, if he does that, you're going to be okay. You're probably going to win that game. He needs to be efficient, though, in running the offense and not having a lot of turnovers. We all know that. It's when I say efficient too, I'm not talking about him having nine assists. I'm not. I'm talking about balance with campaign. Everything is balanced with him. How many threes he, he attempts, how many times he puts the ball on the floor. Now a lot of that has got to do with how a team is gonna play him. But I think Cam needs to focus more on the balance offensively and defensively and balance even when he puts the ball on the floor how out of control is he how fast is he go he needs balance in that regard more than anything else b is the word balance for campaign the last two games to those points i mentioned just the one turnover the seven assists he's a six of ten from three which you love again i'm not i'm not expecting that from him every game in the playoffs but that's efficient right there. Not taking a ton of threes unless you're making them. Uh, the 31 points, again, with just the one turnover. Everything is with just the one turnover mixed in there. He has played 38 minutes over the last two games. He's turned the ball over once. That's huge. See, that's, that is that is campaign from two years ago. Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for one night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale next Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page on Arizona Sports. Com. When we come back, all the talk surrounding Jalen Carter this offseason, at least lately, has really been about why the Cardinals wouldn't want him. But what if they do end up wanting him? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I know, Wolf, you got the email that I sent you. Because I just replied to the email you sent me. That's all it was. Yeah. You don't hear me. You hear Allison Chains. Do, do we have, is this the lyrics version? Yes, it is. Well done! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, everybody gather around on an NCAA Tournament Friday. And listen to a little Alice and Jane, shall we? Punch it. Santa jacks me up. Are you ready to play a ball game, ladies and gentlemen? I don't care. Come out of the tunnel with a dark heart. Well, not if you're Xavier, apparently. They didn't listen to enough of this before the, uh, the game. They're not out of it. But they trail Kennesaw State by 11 in the second half. Boy, Kennesaw State, they, that that looks like a victory to me right now. It does. You telling me you came out of that tunnel in the second half? You started the second half and you increased your lead? Oh, yeah. That's not usually a great sign for the uh, the favorite. If At least at least that they're going to be able to... To, to pull away with my theory that tends to happen in these games where you know a dramatically underseated team hangs around in the first half. They usually start to fade in the second. If they come out and play better in the second, then you know you got yourself a game. Also, we're going to be down to two Pac-12 teams here in a matter of 33 seconds. Since Michigan State's going to take USC out. Okay, they got four in. You felt pretty good about the fact they actually had four when um, some conferences, of course, like the SEC, had eight. Well, you know. The Big Ten had eight. You felt pretty good. Four. 
Now it's going to be down to two. It's going to be down to two. UCLA, who was, I think, pretty clearly the best of the Pac-12 teams this year, and ASU. Somehow ASU is one of the last two teams. They haven't even played an actual 64 game yet. Let us all laugh while we can. <laughs> We're going to laugh. Ha. I don't know that we'll be able to laugh on Monday because they'd have to win two more games well, to get there. But course. hey, let's see. They right. they have the characteristics of a team that could, you know, maybe make they a little noise. Make, they could they make could. a run. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna talk some ASU here in a little bit. But I, I want to go to football, Wolf, and I want to focus on Jalen Carter here for a second because Jalen Carter is a player that it was. This goes back to what I was telling you about, to how I know you got my email, because I just hit reply to your email, so I know I sent it to you. In your email, you had the story about Jalen Carter and how his punishment, at least for now, really isn't that much. Was it like $1,000 in probation? It's 12-month probation and a $1,000 fine. Yeah. This, if if you wanted Jalen Carter, if you wanted the Arizona Cardinals to draft Jalen Carter, this is great. This is a great day for you. Because this information right here, 12 months probation and a $1,000 fine, boy, the details could have gotten really, really bad for Jalen Carter. They did not. That's encouraging. Yet, this coming off of his pro day, which was very discouraging. Yeah, no. Here's um this is Harry Douglas on Fitz and Harry talking about Jalen Carter. He probably knew some of these things beforehand, but when everything feels like your world is coming everything is coming down on your world at one time, there's a human side to that as well. We don't know if he's you know, when he's at home, is, is all he's thinking about is the situation and what's the outcome going to be. Uh, so, so, so it makes sense to me for him to show up. Now, I'm not going to excuse him for it, but it makes sense for me to, to, to me to him showing up and being out of shape and cramping up at a whole nine. Y'all think the only thing he's thinking about is football right now? No. See, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all right there. And the reason why I don't buy that is because he had to have a lawyer. Of course, he had a lawyer. He had somebody representing him in this situation. He had somebody that was talking to Somebody negotiated this, right? Somebody got this. Yes, there's no way Jalen Carter negotiated his legal. Yeah, no. Exactly. So at some point in time, he had to get some type of idea as to what kind of charge was going to be handed down. 12 months probation and a $1,000 fine. I, I think that is really, really tepid considering there were two people who died. In this incident? Yeah, I mean, it's not, without going into all the legalities of that, I, I look, I, obviously, we're not there. We don't know what should or shouldn't happen. Yeah, but it's all about the details. But, and him getting this kind of sentence, to me, says the details were not bad. Yeah, I mean, right now, it, it sure looks like that isn't going to be something that would dissuade teams if you really liked him at the top of your board. Now, I mean, before any of that came out, I didn't want him for the Cardinals because I like Will Anderson more. Yes, I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, with any sort of any complications off the field right now, I have to think the Cardinals, after the way last season played out with the off the field stuff, would be like, it's not worth it at number three. But we really haven't talked about the possibility of what does this do now? I mean, if that's if this is really not going to be that big of a thing off the field in the eyes of NFL teams, again, this is not a news show. I'm not talking about the legal, the actual incident itself. I'm just talking about how an NFL team would view it going into the draft. Two months ago, this guy was at the top of most draft boards. Yeah. I didn't want him for the Cardinals. I would assume the Cardinals probably want to go in a different direction anyway. But 
you know, you were hearing stuff a week ago, two weeks ago on TV where they're like, what if he just drops all the way down to the bottom of the first round? I think that's probably out the window now. So I, I totally agree with that right there. But once again, the reason why I disagree with the dude who was just talking about Jalen Carter is because this guy had to know that the penalty was not going to be severe. He had to know that. His lawyer had to be talking to him about this very thing. It's one of the reasons why Jalen Carter, from the very beginning, said, I will be exonerated from all charges. Remember that. He came out and called his shot and said he would be exonerated when the truth comes out. And you know what? When I look at this, 12 months probation and a $1,000 fine, that's, that's pretty tepid once again. So he, he, I don't think that's the issue anymore. And he's known this, and yet he went out there and had that kind of pro day. And that's the thing. I mean, now if you just want to look at it from the football side of things, he was nine pounds heavier than he was at the NFL Combine at the pro day. Yeah. And he couldn't finish his position drills. Again, this is Georgia's pro day. This past yes. Wednesday, two days ago. Yes. So even if you want to set the legal stuff aside for a second, who's taking a guy number one or number two or number three or top five that from the combine that he doesn't work out at to his his pro day, he puts on nine pounds and can't finish the drills? Yeah. This is, to me, when the combine and that stuff does matter. Yeah, and not only that, too, uh, you're never going to dismiss all of the legalities. And the reason being, you don't care about the probation. You really don't. You don't care about the $1,000 fine. You don't care about any of that. You care about the decisions that he made yeah. up until that point. That's the thing. If, if, you, if you put yourself in that position, what does that say? What does that say? Yeah. To teams. I mean, it's not even a football thing. It's to prospective employers. But when you're talking about a team that's going to invest millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in you and they're going to invest a high pick. Yes. There's red flags that a lot of these other guys at the top of the draft don't have. You know what's interesting, though, Luke? Nonetheless, after having said all of what I've just said already, this will allow him not to fall as precipitously in the first round as I thought he was going to. Here, we got a draft profile, too, and I believe this one is voiced by Jem. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia. You've probably heard the name Jalen Carter for many reasons this draft season. The six foot three, 314 pound defensive tackle out of Georgia has been at the center of media attention after being arrested on misdemeanor charges for his alleged involvement in a deadly car accident. While final details on the case are yet to come out and Carter stating he will be fully exonerated when they do, the former projected number one overall pick will still bring the power, quick first step, and violent hands that helped him lead the Georgia Bulldogs to the fewest rushing yards allowed per game in 2022. Oh, and also their second national championship in as many years. NFL comparison, Titans defensive lineman and two-time All-Pro second teamer Jeffrey Simmons. Well, there you have it right Even there. Even some Rihanna in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Rihanna? That, yeah, was Rihanna? that was Rihanna. Oh, okay. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, no. Um, I, not <laughs> you didn't the watch half the halftime show? show? Wow. Well, actually, my kids did. So, well, your kids are listening right now, saying that's we Rihanna. had one of the best chip bowls ever, though. <laughs> so I was hammering the chips. Well, explain why. What makes it a great chip well, bowl? It's because it was nachos first of all. Well, I can't go wrong. Guacamole. Okay. <laughs> and then you've got hot sauce. I don't know if you've noticed this, Basinonians, but yeah, guacamole and hot sauce. Oh man, uh, on a chip. 
<laughs> that is. Oh, I don't. I don't think you're. Man, that is good. Revolutionizing the chip industry. Yeah, but, with that yeah, but once again, though, it's the kind of hot sauce that you're put, putting on that. Not, not like you to put hot sauce on any of your food. So this but, is a, a twist. What, what were we talking? We're talking about, about Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, as a matter of fact, um, I see Jalen Carter going in the top fifteen. With with this ruling right now, twelve months probation and a thousand. I, I see him going in the top fifteen. When you you could have seen him go number one overall. So I think this is definitely going to hurt him. He's going to slide down. But I think a lot more of it's got to do with a pro day than anything else. Yeah, well, that's all fine. I don't want him on the Cardinals. At least not at number three. That's no like trade the pick, get Will I still Anderson. Want Will Anderson, yeah. yes, indeed. Before Jalen Carter, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. All right, I know I said we weren't going to talk about Aaron Rodgers before. We're going to talk about him a little bit when we come back, but only because new Jets receiver Alan Lazard spoke up about Aaron Rodgers and um, had some kind of interesting stuff to say. It's just a weird situation in New York right now. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. gotten a little odd in his old age. Relatively speaking, of course. Not relatively odd, relatively old. He's gotten very odd. Odd. Yes. Well, you said relatively speaking. Licking toads. Well, that's... I don't know if there's any proof that he's licking toads. Thus we go with the toadies. Yeah. The possum kingdom. By the way, Kennesaw State, just a full-blown meltdown here. They haven't. I don't think they've taken a timeout, and they haven't scored in almost five minutes. This is what ha- usually happens in these games. This is what I've been saying. Usually, the team that's a severe underdog gets weighed down by the pressure of the moment in the second half at some point, and the team that's supposed to win gets going, and they're like, "Okay, they're, it's it's over." And it's not over. The Kansas State's down by one right now. Nothing is over. They were up sixty-one forty-eight, and now they are trailing sixty-two sixty-one. Yeah, you hate to see this not for ideal. these kids right now because that is going to leave a mark on the soul. <laughs> and the, their offense right now seems to be one guy dribble at five and throw up a, a prayer. It's unbelievable. Uh, can we get some ball movement out here? We can cannot. somebody get some ball movement. All right, we've uh, we've we've delayed the inevitable here with the Aaron Rodgers story as long enough. I just want to play the Alan Lazard cuts, and then we can move on to Brady or whatever else we want to talk about. Okay, okay. This is uh, Alan Lazard, who is now on the Jets, right? He's yeah. now a member of the New York Jets. A lot of people think that's because Aaron Rodgers wants him there. Big money. A lot of reports that Aaron Rodgers gave the Jets a list of free agents he wants. Now he denies it, but. You know, and, and I'm sure he's like, how could I possibly do that? I was sitting in a dark room. But either way, Alan Lazard's on the Jets. Here's what he had to say. Aaron in Green Bay, you know, he really put his arm around me. And he's a he's a big reason why I'm here today. I can't deny that. You know, he, he stood up on a table for me during training camp when I probably didn't deserve to make the roster, um, at least in the front office's eyes. And he called for me to be in the game. Um, he's relied on me in, in a lot of heavy pressure situations and has always believed in me. So as a wide receiver, the best relationship you can have is with the quarterback. 
and the relationship I have with him is, has been phenomenal. All right, we agree he didn't go to New York to catch passes from Zach Wilson, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if Aaron Rodgers really did that much for your career, wouldn't you just want to be where Aaron Rodgers is? Yeah. I still believe, too, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a New York Jet. I think you believe that yeah, it's gonna as happen. well. It's, it's going to happen at long. some point in time. And I do believe the stories that he handed a list to the Jets and said, this is this is who I would like. I still believe that. I mean, couldn't you it see him, him being like, I never handed them a list. Okay, well, I, if you if you verbally said a list, that's fine. We're not, <laughs> not, not semantics here, Aaron. We're, if you gave the New York Jets a list of free agents you wanted to join yes. that team, team that's what we're talking because about. this is the point you're at in your career Aaron and we all know it you're calling the shots and that's the only way you want it he's calling the shots you for a team he is calling on. the shots it's one thing if he's calling the shots in Green Bay he's calling the shots for a team he isn't currently on that already has a pretty good football team yes here's more from Alan Lazard Fun, <laughs> easy. He's the best teacher I've ever had in my life. And that, and that goes from school. Hold on, I feel like I should specify. He's talking about Nathaniel Hackett. Okay. Okay, remember the... Not uh, Aaron Rodgers. No, well, because I didn't know if that was in there. Nathaniel Hackett, right. you might remember from coaching the Broncos, too. Right, well... Many losses last year. Again, toad liquor to Nathaniel All Hackett. All right, here we go. <laughs> Big difference. The football, he just makes learning fun. And that's the biggest thing I feel like when it comes to, especially NFL offense, defense and stuff, because they're so intricate, so complicated. There's so many rules, so many things that you have to be able to improv in real life time that you need to be able to be fluent in that language. I think he does a great job of teaching that. It makes it really easy. And he allows you to go out there and just play fast and not think. And because of that is the reason why I've had a lot of success these past few years. Oh, that is so cool right there. It is. It's one of the reasons why I love the NFL. One of the reasons why I do not like college football. And one of the reasons why I love the National Football League is because of the schemes and how difficult the schemes are. I don't know what else Alan Lazard said. I just know that he was talking about schemes and how intricate they really are. It's the reason why college football is checkers and the NFL is chess. It is. And it's the, that's the reason why I love the NFL, because of the mind game that it is, and how intricate and how detailed the schemes are. You line up on any given play, audience. you've got your assignment, you know what your assignment is, guess what? Your assignment and what you do, they might be three different things, three different assignments that you have built up in that one based on what the defense does, or vice versa. It's it's why I love it. It's so involved. Well, I mean, I've, I've always been NFL over college football, but I do love college football. It's hard for me to make the argument against you right now, though, because that's one of the first things I think you ever said to me is the NFL is chess and college football yeah. is checkers. Because now college football is checkers and some schools just get to have more pieces on the board to start out. <laughs> so uh, here's one more from Alan Lazard. You continued the analogy. Uh, and that's tough sometimes to continue it your is. analogies. But Indeed. here we go. Aaron, when it comes to the offseason, um, communication dwindles a little bit, um, respectively. But yeah, there was a, we were able to, you know, he works out at the same place I do in Los Angeles. So we were able to kind of cross paths and just connect a little bit and share our insight on, on what we were thinking and everything. But there was no implications of trying to do this in a sense. You know, like, like I had previously said, you know, we were both trying to do what's right for the both of us. Um, and obviously him and his situation is a little bit different with his career and everything and where I want to take my career, the next step and stuff. So obviously standing here today, it feels 
feels good knowing that Phelps would be my quarterback again. Hmm. Even though he isn't on the Jets. Yeah. This is like the worst kept secret in the history of sports. Yeah. At some point in time, it's going to happen, isn't it? It's coming down right now. What if What if Green Bay, though, If because it doesn't sound like the Jets are really offering much or anything from this year's draft. And I'm sure the Jets are like, oh, we got you. I mean, he doesn't want to play there and he wants to play for us. Didn't you hear about the darkness retreat? Yeah. What if Green Bay's like, all right, if you're going to give us a pick in 2024, we'll trade him to you right before 2024. I mean, what does Green Bay really have to lose? That's it. Just, all right, Aaron, you can go sit out the year. You can go, you can, why don't you just go Jay Crowder? And whenever the Jets want to make us a real offer, we'll make the trade. Yeah, that'd be really, really rough, though. You know what? Go Jay Crowder right there. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers hanging over Jordan Love? Well, I think they would lock him out <laughs> uh, of the facility. Like, you would go no, get a backup no, quarterback. No, guess what I'm saying? No, the whole, look, there he is. He's not playing. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, he's yeah. just sitting there because you wouldn't trade him. Now he's hanging over the entire organization, the the franchise. He's still appearing on Pat McAfee. Right? That's going to happen and no matter where he is. He's talking about darkness and toads and all that other stuff. I mean, really, that could be a distraction in and of itself. Yeah, I, the, the Packers don't want that. They don't. And I think the Jets know it. And that's why all the leverage the Packers really have went away in the darkness. Text Valley to 620-620 and become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. That's Valley to 620-620. Uh, this is legit. ASU and GCU have a chance to advance further than U of A, obviously, and have a chance to play each other on Sunday. And I, maybe it's not getting talked about enough. I know a lot of people think ASU is going to have a hard time with TCU. ASU is, is, a, is the underdog in that one. And an even bigger, taller task is, of course, GCU beating Gonzaga. But it is possible that the next time we talk on this show, Wolf, it'll be about an ASU-GCU matchup uh, in March Madness. It will have already happened, actually. So we'll get into all of that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Coming down to it in that Kennesaw State Xavier game. Tied up with 33 seconds to go. I I just can't believe Xavier missed a wide open layup. Yeah, really well designed play to get the wide open layup. and, And everything worked perfectly except the laying it up part. Yeah, and then Kennesaw State came back on the other end and did the same thing. I think I can safely say if this game were to go overtime, yeah. Kansas State's not winning it. They look like they are running out of gas. They're still tied. Give them credit. You know what, though? I know. I, I give them a lot of credit because they lost the lead in this game to Xavier after they were up. But I don't know that they're scoring a lot more points. I don't know what the exact time is because obviously we're doing the show, but they were up 61-48 and it's 67-67. So yes. in the time it took Xavier to score 19 points, and that really wasn't all that quick. Kennesaw State scored six points, and it, it's it's been laborious to see them try to, to score any points here. Um, sticking with the madness, ASU plays TCU tonight. I looked, Wolf, I just looked at FanDuel during the break. Yeah. ASU is a five-and-a-half-point underdogs against okay. TCU. All right. Tonight, so there you go. Okay, five-and-a-half-point underdogs yeah. right there. 
what does that matter at come tournament time? It really doesn't. It really doesn't. I wish I... I... Especially when you got a team who can. It's not like they do it all the time, but you got a team who can lock it down on the defensive end of the floor. If there is one trait, I think, character trait as a team, all teams have character traits, basically. We all know this. But if there was one character trait you had collectively as a team that bodes well in the NCAA tournament, we all know. It's being able to lock it down on the defensive end of the floor. That is the most encouraging thing with this team. It's been there really all season. I referenced this before, but I remember we're going to have Kellen Olsen on later on the show, and I'm, I'm going to try not to ask him about ASU. I cannot promise I won't ask him about U of A where he went. Um, but one of the things he said, because Kellen... You're being facetious. Well, no, the, the reason I don't want to like rub it in with Kellen, because Kellen is one of those guys that like he just wants to see good basketball. He obviously wants to see U of A win. But we had him on the show earlier. He's like, he, he doesn't hate ASU. He was, But he what he liked about them is that they were playing good defense. So he's one of those, I yeah, just want to see everybody play well, see, guys. Once again, though, you, the, you, you've got to invoke the locker room rule on that. And the locker room rule is, you know what? If I love you, I'm going to rip you. You're going down. Well, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, okay, that's fine. You don't. I'm going to rip That's him. fine. Okay? Uh, he's actually on to talk sons. But, but, Good. Uh, it's going to be a lot of everything. But one of the things, he was one of the first people that really pointed this out this season, ASU plays legit defense. And that... Uh, you know, when you when you strip away who the team is and you strip away, hey, okay, it's the local team. It's where a lot of us went to school. You strip that away. They have characteristics of the sort of team that can go on a little run and that can sneak into the second weekend. Now, I don't know that they can do that because even if they win tonight, they'd probably play Gonzaga on Sunday. And I, I'd never trust Gonzaga to actually win the title, but I trust them the first weekend of the tournament pretty much every year. But ASU does have the characteristics with that defense. It's kind of a balanced attack. It feels like every year we see one of those first four teams yeah. kind of go on a, on a mini run through the early stages of the tournament. So I get the TCU is in a tougher conference and, and is a higher seed, and they should be. But I I think this is like a coin flip this, tonight. This is really, really cool. It's not that I wasn't listening to you, Luke, okay? But That's always Kennesaw a good start. State right now, they're down a point, yeah. and I believe they just took a timeout yes. with, what, 14 seconds I, to go? Yeah, it looked like I didn't. I don't um, think Kennesaw State realized they had timeouts based on the last 10 minutes. They were just, oh, it's a 13-0 run. Well, keep running it out there. No timeouts. I know, exactly. But you know what's amazing about this? Everyone was talking about the parody coming in to this year, the parody in the bracket, and we're seeing that. There's a lot of near misses or a lot of underdogs that are beating. We all, we all know. We're talking about one right here, Arizona, of course. Arizona just taking <laughs> the shorts and sliding them on and pulling them up very, very tight. <laughs> is that what happened? Is that any sort of explanation for what happened in the you second know, half of that game? You got Furman beating Virginia, of course. There's a lot of near misses that are out there. Houston didn't even look great. Houston didn't look great against Northern Kentucky. <laughs> I mean... Well, and UCSB was hanging with Baylor until about two minutes ago. And now yeah, not. Baylor's we've just seen a lot of near misses, and we've seen some upsets already. It's what the tournament is all about. One of the reasons why we all love it. Here's Chris Cartman 
of uh, Sun Devil Source, who was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, talking about the matchup with TCU specifically. I think that they are a good two-way team, um, smart basketball, uh, well-coached, and um, you know, ultimately, uh, ASU has to try to uh, play its style, its brand. It's so much what you see is the tenor of the game, uh, who dictates that kind of determines whether it's going to be successful or not. ASU did that really from the outset, of course, um, Wednesday, and, and that's kind of what has to happen. I, I think it's a pretty decent matchup for ASU overall. It, it's not like TCU is uh, well, like a great team in areas that ASU is particularly weak. Um, so this is, and a lot of people are looking at this as a matchup that uh, you know that it's almost a toss-up in a lot of respects as it's perceived by some people. So um, I, I think ASU's got a pretty good chance. You've got to be able to get second chance uh, uh, baskets or in the paint. Um, can't turn the ball over. Those are some of the most important keys. be honest, you just listened to all that waiting for the BPI rankings. <laughs> you were just like, okay, yeah, get to it, Chris. When are you going to say their yeah, BPI rankings? That's great. Yeah, don't worry about it, Chris. they got to go out and, first of all, they have to rebound the basketball. It seems like when they rebound the basketball and they play well on the defensive end of the floor um, and they get some offensive rebounds as well, uh, ASU seems to win games, and I think that to me is is those are two keys, two two areas you look at where you say if they're going to win a game, if they do those two things well, um, they got a shot of beating a lot of teams. We'll see if that happens, but um, you know Bobby Hurley, I'm sure is going to have them ready to go. Yeah, this that's is, that's. I think that's the key because I. I do think that they are playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, whether they should have it or not. They they seem to kind of have that, especially at the outset of the game against Nevada. They started that game so well, and I don't expect them to shoot 64%. And I don't expect them to score 98 points. They never get close to either of those numbers. But the defense is the great equalizer. TCU is a, a, a good team from a really good conference. You know what? They're, what are they, 7 and 4? Four, 4 and 7 in their last 11 games, TCU. I mean, they still have a good record, 21 and 12. But it's not like they're one of those teams that's red hot going into the tournament. I'm not sitting here saying ASU is definitely going to win, but I think it's a winnable game for the Sun Devils tonight. But I think a big part of that equation. Is like Chris Cartman and you just said they got to start strong. They, they you don't want to be chasing a, a game when you're the underdog. That's the most simple <laughs> scouting report you can get. But ASU, when you have that defense and you're up, it's just it's a completely different basketball team. Yeah. Looking at the BPI over there, I, I am as a matter of fact looking at the BPI right there, and um, the BPI says TCU is going to win. Okay, just just so you know. Well, the BPI um, was right about Xavier too because uh, <laughs> Kennesaw State's last shot was uh, never even got to the hoop. Oh no way! I, I just looked up right now and looked at it because I was too busy looking at my bracket, which isn't really that bad, Basin audience. It's not bad right there. I will say the South region is um, not doing well. Uh, right now, but it's not bad. Is what, nobody South region. What, what's what, who's in that one? Uh, well, you know, you've got. Where's my, oh boy! Okay. You know what? Honestly, let me say this: U of A in Virginia. Why do you okay. ask me this stuff? Because you were holding a piece of paper. I know. I just can't it. read it. There, um, there is still time in the Kennesaw State game. They're down three. They have two seconds. <laughs> I don't think they've scored in an hour and a half, this but they are is, still in it. This is unbelievable. And they just took another. These timeout. kids blew it. They had the shot. Sean Miller, 
It is possible that ASU and GCU could meet on Sunday. I'm just going to keep throwing that out there for as long as it is possible. And now, in case you're just like tuning in, USC already lost. There are only two Pac-12 teams left. I mean, <laughs> you don't get somebody out of the first weekend. It's just ASU and UCLA. They'll just dissolve the conference in a week if that happens. Uh, coming up, all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.